what's the significance of the cross? What does it mean to us today? Pastor, why would you take weeks and weeks and preach about the topic of the cross? What, I know that Jesus died 2,000 years ago. But what's that do for me now? I sat in Sunday school and I heard many times, I saw the flannel graph pictures, the cutouts of Jesus put upon a, a little flannel board. And they said he died upon the cross and he rose again to forgive my sins. But really, what's that do for me now? Well, we're going to talk about that. And also, I want you to imagine with me what it must have been like that day in the temple. It had been a really busy time. They were getting ready to celebrate the Passover. All kinds of pilgrims were coming into Jerusalem at that time to be a part of this big celebration and this high time of the year. There was a lot of talk about Jesus because he had been healing people and he had been delivering people. They claimed that he raised people from the dead. They claimed that he healed people with blind eyes. But the night before, he was arrested. And he was brought before Pilate. And there was a trial. And overnight, he was condemned to death. Just the week before, whenever he was on his way into town, people were waving palm branches and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I mean, the streets were lined with people getting ready. As Jesus came into town, they were dancing and shouting, And just overnight, they beat him and condemned him to death. They took him out to hang him on a cross on Golgotha. Well, from 9 till noon, as Jesus hung upon the cross, this incredible darkness came over the whole region. It was like nothing they had ever seen before. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. And the whole area is covered In darkness. I'm sure that people were in the temple. They were probably talking. What's happening? What's going on? I don't understand it. Something's happening. And all of a sudden. The earth began to shake. It was this huge earthquake. I mean it just. It shook everything. And for the people. Who were in the temple. Or around the temple that day. The veil in the temple that separated the Holy of Holies from the whole, that separated this, this place that was set apart. They said, that's where God's glory dwells. At this moment, all of a sudden, the earth shakes and this veil that separated was ripped from top to bottom. Now, I can just imagine the priests and the people who were standing there saying, oh my goodness, what is happening? What do we do? I'm sure they didn't understand it. I'm sure that there was probably some guys who were thinking, okay, how are we going to fix this one? Probably had their guy and they're they're at the temple who would fix things when they broke. But what do we do now? Because people aren't even supposed to be looking in here. I'm sure that there were many people who said, well, how are we going to sew this back? What are we going to do about this? I want you to understand something. They could sew that veil a thousand times. But something happened that day that would forever change our world. Something took place. It didn't matter if they replaced that veil a million times. 
Something took place in the spiritual realm that has forever changed society, that has forever changed all of mankind. And what was that? Well, we're going to be talking about that. What has happened there is man was given access to God. Matthew chapter 27 records the scripture that I just read to you. It talks about when Jesus was hanging on the cross. It talks about that whenever he cried out and they said, he's waiting for Elijah. Let's see if Elijah comes to him. And then what they did is they cried out. And, and so they dipped a sponge in like a wine vinegar and they, and they handed it up to him to give him the drink to cool his thirst. And verse 50 says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tomb and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and at all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. The cross is a place where everything changes. The cross is a place where everything changes. If you go to the cross, I want you to know something. When you go to the cross, it's a place where things are radically change in your life. Our first point that we're talking about is the cross provides access. Why is the cross relevant to us today? Because it provides access into his presence. What used to serve as a barrier to keep people away from God, what used to serve as a hindrance that would not allow people to go in any further in God's presence was removed that day. And here again, I can imagine just religious people. I can imagine the priest and committee getting together and saying, okay, well, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to repair this veil? Because just anybody can't go into the presence of God. You see, at one time, if you were a Gentile, you could only go so far. You could only come so far in your relationship with God. At one time, when you were a woman, you could only go so far. At one time, if you were a Jewish man, you could go a little further than the Gentile, but you could only go so far. And then there were the priests. They were chosen by God. But your average, everyday priest could only go so far. He couldn't go any further. And there was one lucky guy who once a year, the high priest, once a year and probably once in a lifetime, he would have the opportunity to go behind the veil and to minister before the Lord. He couldn't go just at any time. It was just once a year. But whenever Jesus died upon the cross, he provided access to all of those barriers that kept people away from God. You know how a lot of times we have barriers like that? We have like our habits and we have things that we think we got to do before we could possibly get around God. But Jesus removed those barriers. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place 
by the blood of Jesus. If you underline in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline that under Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, we have assuredness, we have boldness that we can come into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Wait, you mean I don't have to hide away from God? You mean because of my sin, because of who I am, I don't have to run from God? Because ever since the fall, ever since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, man has been trying to hide from God. Man's been trying, he doesn't want to look God in the eye. He doesn't want to see God. He often covers his face and would look away. But because of what Jesus did, he says, let us come to him, draw near to God with sincere hearts in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Do you ever notice that whenever you come to church sometimes and you want to start to worship God, all of these thoughts kind of come into your mind about how unworthy you are, about the thing that you said last week, or the attitude that you displayed, or the problem that's between you and a family member. All of these things come into our minds, but it says, let us come before God having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Wow. Do you realize this? That God has provided you and I VIP passes into the the holiest place of all, his presence. You see, it's holy because God is there. That's what makes it holy. It's not its physical location. It's not what part of the building it's in. It's because wherever God is, is holy. Everything he touches becomes holy. That's why you and I are called holy, because God's presence in his spirit dwells inside of us. He makes us holy. He's provided us this special passes, as it were, this special privilege of coming into his presence. Do you know how honoring it is to God whenever you come into his presence? Do you know how pleasing it is to him? Because if you don't come into his presence on your own merit. You come into his presence because of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. So what Jesus did, every time you come into his presence, it's as if you're glorifying Jesus because of the sacrifice and what he's done. Now let me kind of illustrate this. This past summer, our family went to, and this is a weird illustration, but work with me. Our family got season passes to Dorney Park. For $89, I think, or $90, you can get season passes to Dorney Park. And you know, if you go like two or three times... It's already paid for itself. So obviously, you know I like that. 
You ever notice that when you normally go to the amusement park, like you want to go there like when they open and you want to stay till like 11 o'clock at night when they close. And you are so dead, so tired because you got to get your money's worth. It's kind of like eating at a buffet. Like if you go to the buffet, you don't want to take like a half a plate. When you go to the buffet, you got to make sure that you get your $15.99 or $18.99. You want to try and beat the house, right? And that's kind of the principle there. But every time we would go, I kind of felt good about it. Like every time we go take the kids back to Dorney Park, I was like, yes. I've come up so many times and it's only cost me $5 a time to bring my kids. You know what I'm saying? So you're feeling good about that. Well, when we come into God's presence, we come based upon what Jesus has done. And God made this available to us. So whenever we come, it brings honor to him. When we fail to come into his presence, don't you think it's terribly dishonoring? When he has provided access to us, purchased at the cost of the life of his son, when we say, I don't want to go, when we say, oh, I don't feel like going there, or if we ever seldom do, I had another just quick thought. Imagine how you would feel, how you would feel if you found someone who you really cared about. And you said, you know what, I want to bless them. I just want to bless them. I just appreciate them. I love them so much. I want to do something nice for them. And so you start and you start thinking about them and you think, boy, I'd like to be a blessing to them. And you find something that you'd like to do. You say, hmm, what would... What do you think he'd like? And I'm, you know, you're thinking, you think, hmm, I know what I'll do. We're going to send to Disney World. The Ritchie family decides we're going to send him to Disney World. And not just once. We want him to go every year. What we do is, so that we can go to Disney World, we've got to cut back. The Ritchie house, so we're going to have to cut back a little bit because we want and the whole crew to go. And so we want them all to go and have a great time. And so we have to cut back. And so we start thinking about it, and we got to cut back a, a good ways. So, you know, like the things like cable, we're going to have to... Internet, you know, you can't... Extra cell phone. So we start cutting away. and Like, we don't want him just to go for a week. We want him to be able to go down for a month. And we want him to have complete access to anything he wants. We want him to get unlimited Mickey ears. You know the Mickey ears that you get when you're in Disney World? We want him to get as many of those as he wants. So he has an expense account that's open. and He can go anywhere in the park and get a meal. And so kids are going to have to cut back on their lunch money. We're going to start packing lunch for them. And they're just going to get peanut butter with no jelly. We're not going to get like the Jiffy, smooth. We're going to have to get like the generic that comes in like a five-pound can. So they're not going to be able to go. And, and doctor's visits, you know, we're going to believe in divine healing. They're not going to be able to go to the doctor for a while. Uh, dentist, we're just going to, they're just going to have to do without. And clothes, we're not going to be able to afford to get them clothes because we want to have a great time. Now, the first year we send down all expense paid and he flies into Orlando and jumps off the plane. And when he comes back after his month, he is relaxed and suntanned. I mean, he's on the big Mickey shirt and I love Disney and Pluto and all these guys. And, and he has a goofy shirt and, because they're all expense paid. Well, after a period of time, the first year, he loves it. The second year, June comes around, and we say, I mean, our family is so excited. Man, we're ready for you to go again. 
And it's like, oh, okay. And somebody comes back, and the second time, it wasn't quite as exciting as the first time. And by the third year, Flynn starts to grumble. I don't know why pastor wants to control me. I mean, I'd like to go on vacations other places. quite know why they feel like they have to tell me what to do. I don't know why I have to be obligated to go where he wants me to go and do what he wants me to do. Hmm. My kids aren't getting any new shoes. I've lost 45 pounds. There's no dining out. There's no pizza. There's no McDonald's. I've given up so much, and he feels like, like I'm taking advantage of him to ask him to go and to see Mickey and Minnie and to go to Epcot Center. He feels like somehow I'm asking too much of him. Would you be a little bit offended if you made those sacrifices? Well, why is it then that so oftentimes when God asks us to come into his presence through the death of Jesus, his son, and we're like, well, I don't know why. Why do I have to pray all the time? What do you mean? Friends, access has been provided for you at an incredible cost. So whenever you come into his presence to worship, to praise When you come into the opportunity to be in his presence, it should not be a burden to us. Actually, the writer of Hebrews actually talks about church attendance. About, oh my goodness, lift up your toes. He talks about church attendance based upon the blood of Jesus. Based, listen to this, based upon the sacrifice of Jesus. He says this, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. The second point we want to move on from there. The cross is where God shows you that he loves you. The cross is where God says, I love you. 1 John chapter 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. We understand this, that God... The Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us in this. That God demonstrated his love for us in this, that he helped us to buy another house. That's not what the word says. That God got me a better job. It doesn't say that. It says that God demonstrated his love for us in this, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, for the unrighteous. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not in the circumstances that God says, I love you. That's not where God says, I love you. God said he loved you when Jesus died upon the cross for you. Please listen to this. It's not in your circumstances where God demonstrates his love. It's upon the cross. If you and I are not careful, what will happen is whenever circumstances change or situations change, they begin to cause us to believe that somehow that affects God's love for us. The love he demonstrated on the cross will never change, no matter what circumstance or situation you go through. Can I encourage you to do this? Can I encourage you to put your circumstances in front of the cross? What do you mean, Pastor? Put your circumstances in front of the cross because if we don't, we'll question his love for us when difficulties come our way. 
when difficult circumstances arise in our marriage, on our job, with our health, in our families, in our finances, in our relationships with other, in our ministries. When things begin to, difficult things come our way, there's a tendency for us to ask, God, do you love me? God, do you care about me? God, do you understand? But what we need to have is we need to have the cross as a background behind every situation we go to. And whenever we ask ourselves, God, I'm having a hard time paying my electric bill, we put that in front of the cross with Jesus hanging upon the cross. Oh, my. Whenever you're having a difficulty in your health, and you're just getting tired and weary, what do we do? We put that in front of the cross. The cross is the background that we look at. Lord, if you loved me, because inevitably this question is going to arise in our hearts. Even if you don't want to say it, and even if you know it's not a good question to ask, it's this question that arises from like deep inside of us. And it says, Lord, if you loved me, would you have let this happen to me? You ever been there? Lord, if you loved me, why did this take place? Why did this disappointment come my way? Why did this trial come my way? If you loved me, I want you to do this. I want you to put that question, that circumstance, that situation in front of the cross. And you'll see again and again how much God loved you. You'll see again and again how much God cares for you. How much God sacrificed for you. Finally, our third point. We need to understand that the cross, why is the cross relevant? Well, first we said that the cross is where God provides access to his presence. The cross is where God provides access to his presence. We also said the cross is relevant because it's where God says, I love you. If you ever want to wonder if he loves you, he displayed it. He showed that whenever his son hung upon the cross. The third reason why the cross is relevant to us today is because the cross is the source of all blessings. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, the second part of 31 says, it says, if God is for us, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Do you hear what he's saying? In essence, he's saying, God's for us. Who can be against you? Who can stop you? Like, who can defeat you if God is on your side? And he says that if God didn't hold back his son, won't he also give you whatever else it is that you need? If he provided his best, his son, won't he provide whatever else it is that you have need of? Through God's plan of redemption, he has provided for you and I everything that we could ever need in this life and in the life to come. He's not shorted you on anything. And oftentimes we sit around and we think that we don't have enough, that somehow God held back. God did not hold back. He provided his very best. May we learn to allow God to define those two words that we just read. Will he not also graciously give us those last two words? All things. 
Let God be the one who defines what those two words mean. All things. Oftentimes we put a limit on what God can do or what we think he would do for us. I believe that God may do that for you, but I don't know if he would do it for me. Allow God to be the one who defines all things. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, Peter writes, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. He's saying, grace and peace be yours, not just enough so that you make it by, not just enough so that you don't pull your hair out, not just enough so that you don't just go off the deep end, but grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power, I want you to see this principle again. His divine power has given us, what does it say? Everything. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises. That through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 it says this. For in him, meaning Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And the King James says it very well. I love the way it says in the King James Version, verse 10. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. The King James says, it says it this way. That in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. Now, that's pretty strong. It's in our union with Christ that we are totally complete. So often we think that we're incomplete. So often we think if sometime down the road, we think that someday down the road things will be different. We think that we're lacking something. And may I suggest to you that the problem is one of belief. We haven't grasped the truth of what God accomplished upon the cross in Christ. We haven't grasped all that there is to understand about what Jesus did upon the cross of Calvary. Whenever he stretched out his hands and he breathed, as he was ready to breathe his last breath, he said, it's finished. What was finished? The work of redemption was complete. He accomplished all that needed to be accomplished. And in a few days, he was going to rise from the dead, knowing all that he has provided and accomplished for us in the cross. Imagine how dishonoring it is when we set all of that aside and try to operate in our flesh. And we say, I'm going to try a little harder next time. I'm going to try to do a little better next time. Imagine how dishonoring it is to God Whenever we try to do in the flesh what can only be accomplished through the Spirit. Remember when Paul wrote to the Galatians, he's like, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Who's deceived you into thinking that you can start in the Spirit and finish somehow in the flesh? That you can start something that can only be accomplished spiritually by your trust and your faith in God, and that you can somehow complete it by actions of your flesh. As we get ready to close, I'm going to ask you this. Will you ask God this week, and in the weeks ahead, to help you recognize everything that God has done for you, 
and everything that is available to you in the cross. Will you accept his complete provision for all the needs and all of the things that you face in this life? This other thought with you as we get ready. His all things says that he'll graciously give us all things. I believe that applies to every aspect of our lives. And if you're not motivated to learn what that means for yourself, the Bible says that, gone over it numerous times, but the Bible says that Father who didn't spare his son, won't he graciously give us all things that you have need of? If he didn't spare his son, won't he graciously give us what you need? That all things that he talks about. If you don't care about that for yourself, how about you ask God about the all things and how it applies to your marriage? Lord, your word says that you didn't hold back your son and that you'll graciously give me whatever I need. So in my relationship, in my marriage, Lord, I believe that the cross applies to my marriage. And you may have a sickness in your body. And in Christ, we can say, Lord, I believe that that all things applies to my physical body. I believe that that all things applies to my financial need. I believe that all things applies to my mental and emotional health. I believe that all things applies to my children and my families. That God, you'll graciously give me whatever I need. Friends, as we close, I want to say this to you. The cross is a place where everything changes. I mean, it's a, oh, pastor, I've heard that before. No, I'm telling you, when you understand it and you get a grasp of it, The cross is a place of transformation. It's a place where things die. It's a place where old things pass away and behold, all things become new. The cross is a place where you are given access to the very presence of God. The cross is a place where God says he loves you. And the cross is a place where all of the blessings of the Lord funnel through. That plan of redemption comes through that cross of Calvary. So as we close today, I want to pray for you. I want to just pray this. I want to say, God, would you open up people's eyes and let us see all that you have accomplished in the cross of Calvary and how that applies to my everyday life. If he didn't hold back his son, won't he also give me victory? If he didn't hold back his own son, won't he also give me peace? If he didn't hold back his own son, won't he also provide strength for me when I need it? So, Father God, I just thank you for my friends today. And I thank you for the cross. Lord, what an incredible thing that we read. The veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. It didn't come from the bottom to the top. It came from the top to the bottom. It was your doing. And you opened up a way for us to come boldly into your throne and into your presence. And there, Lord, in your presence, the word says is fullness of joy. And so I pray that you would open up the hearts and the minds of your people and allow them to see all of the resources and the blessings and the joy that's made available because of the cross. I pray that you'd let them see that you paid a penalty for their sins. You're not asking them to pay a penalty for their sins. You're not asking them to suffer for their wrongs. You willingly paid that. Lord, I pray that you would cause us, because of this incredible sacrifice that you have made, I pray that you would cause us and you would call us to continually come into your presence 
and make our petitions known. To come boldly, to come confidently, to come with full assurance. Because we're not coming based upon ourselves, but we're coming based upon the blood of Jesus. May we never, may we never offend you or dishonoring you by staying away from your presence or by trying to hide from you or by trying to fix ourselves up before we come. But may we constantly just come back into your presence and say, Lord, I'm trusting completely and totally upon the work that Jesus did. And his grace is enough for me. In this temptation that I'm facing, I'm trusting completely in Jesus. In this trial I'm facing, I'm trusting in Jesus. When I wonder if you love me, when I wonder, Lord, why would you let this happen to me? I look to the cross and I put my trust in the finished work of Calvary. Lord, thank you that the cross is a place where everything changes. Help us to live there, Lord. Help us to abide there at the foot of the cross. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.